Bird to your mother, it's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just a couple of feathery brethren weathering any season to see the Eagles eating teams like bacon, steaks, and cheese. It's Philadelphia, Boeing shielding the cut, kicking it cooler than two penguins till Bo's old arch nemesis. Greg Cosell shows up and it gets real. Pull up a branch and chill, it's time to get ill with some Birds with Friends. The early bird skips the worm and prefers getting turned like a turn on some Birds with Friends. Bo Wolf and Coming at you with stats and things, flapping their wings. Now I'm gonna have the rest of my life with these kids. Wow. Get, we gotta get that in a drop uh, immediately. Let's edit that one out. That didn't come out quite There's no editing. No, no editing on this podcast. That's the wonderful birds with friends. No editing. Hear ye, hear ye. Welcome to Birds with Friends. Bo Wolf, the uh, reigning and defending champion of the beat writers here in my kitchen on the phone over Skype with both Zach Berman and Sheila Kapadia as we prepare for our 2019 NFL preseason extravaganza preview. Sheil, uh, do you have uh, congratulations that you want to pass along to me? Now is the time for you to, uh, to speak about me. I mean, I am here to restore some order to this podcast. It used to be the podcast uh, for the people, by the people, of the people, and I feel like it's gone a little bit off the rails. I'm sure you two, you know, you kind of hit that little wall at the end of training camp, and so uh, I have some grievances to air, and uh, no, you know, I, I think you said at one point uh, what the quote was, I will be insufferable if something, something, I mean, I stopped listening at I will be insufferable. And that really just kind of summed it up for me. Now, that is spoken as someone who has never won uh, the roster prediction championship. So, well, no, uh, no, that's not, not really true. sure uh, you necessarily know, uh, uh, why you know, anyone should take your opinion with any validity here. I can, I can see how you're in your little bubble and might not have realized that in 2015, when I was on the uh, new beat for ESPN.com for roughly a week, uh, I may have been crowned the winner uh, of the 53-man roster projection, really just uh, striking fear into the heart of my fellow beat writers out there. That is is a good way to show up uh, day one, punch somebody in the nose, and make sure nobody comes at you again. That's my advice to any uh, kids, uh, you know, getting ready for their first day of school this week. Make sure you go in and uh, you know knock a few heads the first day, and then and then you should you should be fine for the rest of the year, right? Are you asking for confirmation there? Yeah, why not? <laughs> All right, uh, coming up on the show, we will uh, go through our NFC East around the Hornbills, close that out, and then go through our predictions for the season to come. And then uh, Mr. Berman has been kind enough to prepare for us some NFL related. Bird lines. How did you uh, how did you feel going through those, Zach? They were fun to do. So we have um, we'll go with a few standard ones that Vegas created, and then I have some homemade lines that all have Eagles relevance, and there are league lines that have Eagles relevance and have birds with friends relevance. Uh, I so I, I think uh, both you and Shield, and hopefully our, our listeners, most importantly, will enjoy those. All right, I look forward to that. Uh, Shield, before we get into the NFC East, uh, we should ask if you have any uh, thoughts on anything that has been going on with the Eagles. Uh, now, you are not as plugged in as someone who would have you know, been able to win a prediction contest uh, on a- as far as what the Eagles roster was going to look like, but uh, you are at least 
somewhat knowledgeable. And so let us know uh, what, what you thought. You know, I really feel like this was an exercise in uh, in less is more, and a lot that happens in August might not uh, end up mattering once the season starts. You know, I told you about Clayton Thorson back in April as one of our great listeners tweeted at me, you know, has, has anyone ever been more right about anything? I, I don't know. Mm. I'll let the audience uh, well, decide. Well, I, uh, uh, I would say that your Super Bowl prediction probably tops it, but, but uh, okay. well, close. Uh, uh, you know, Miles Sanders, I I came to the one practice out there and I said, wow, this guy looks a lot better than everybody else. But you did a nice piece on the athletic.com. I would suggest everybody read today talking to 35 Eagles players, uh, you know, kind of an annual piece and that's finding a, that's out a Capadia special. It's a Capadia special and finding out who they thought uh, impressed them in the summer, which teammate and uh, a lot of buzz there for Miles Sanders. As I tweeted out, it I was, remind- I was blown away at the, uh, the love for Miles Sanders when I went around yeah. the locker room. Yeah. Why? Who else would have gotten that? Well, but it's not just, it's not because it's not just who has impressed you this summer. It's like, who's in for a big season. And like, gotcha. you know, yeah. there's not a, there's not a mention of Jordan Howard. Not that I would expect there to be necessarily, but uh, you know, there are guys like Carson Wentz and, uh, and, Deshaun Jackson or like, you know, I was surprised there was not a single Derek Barnett mention. Uh, I did well, think he didn't the, practice much. Yeah, but he doesn't. It's not about how they practice. It's about who's going to have a big season. Um, True. I, I actually thought the most interesting answer, uh, non Miles Sanders division was M- Malcolm Jenkins Ronald Darby answer. Uh, just like flat out calling him our best cover corner and saying that we're going to rely on him a lot. Yeah, I think I found in the past that a lot of guys will name the the people in their position group, and so it really stands out when they don't do that. Uh, I, you know, I did it the previous two years, and I'm trying to remember. I think a lot of people predicted Nelson Aguilar before that Super Bowl season, which was a pretty uh, out there pick when you consider what his standing was with the team uh, at that time and kind of how he had played the previous year. And I, I'm trying to remember last year. I feel like it was a lot of Carson Wentz, sort of just out of hey, mm-hmm. you know. This is still our guy. So uh, I do think it's interesting. And it is interesting when it's a rookie because, you know, the vets don't necessarily want to gas that guy up, especially if it's someone that they don't like or someone who's rubbing them the wrong way or who is not fitting in. So I think those are all good signs for Miles Sanders. I looked at uh, the last two ones that you had done over the last two summers, Sheil. Two years ago, uh, it seemed like the locker room did a good job. They they pegged Nelson Aguilar as the main guy. And that was, uh, you know, a bit... Uh, of a surprise when it, when it did actually come into fruition. Last year, it was uh, not quite as effective. I think there was some Wentz and then someone else who was not necessarily uh, beating the doors down. But there you go. Who who was that? I forget who it was. So. Oh, good job. Well, I mean, listen. <laughs> that's, that's helpful for they, the listeners. I can't, they, can, <laughs> they can go find it themselves. All right. Uh, and, and then I thought Zeberm did a very nice job. Uh, why, why don't you kind of uh, take us behind the scenes there, Zach, on sort of the, the reporting for this Carson Wentz story, I thought you did a nice job laying out how he could be or is potential is different uh, this year. Obviously, expectations are high, but what uh, what did you sort of find out while reporting that piece? Yeah, Carson met with a few of the of of the of the beat reporters. Uh, Bo and I were there a week ago and really discussed his his mental state going into the year, and, and he showed more vulnerability than. He typically does in explaining where he is this year relative to last year. And, and he he did not get into specific details for a lot of things. But really, the overarching thing was 
the mental state that he's in, uh, that he 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 really had a tough time after that second injury, it seemed. And, and then obviously that Philly Voice article. Uh, and so this offseason, there's a lot different about him. He's obviously healthier this season, hasn't missed a snap yet in practice. He's leaner. That's a big thing he kept mentioning, or or I, I guess that observers, us, people who came to practice, people who, who see him, it's noticeable. He overhauled his diet. He is gluten-free now. Why do you think uh, he's, he's so secretive about, like, w- of the specifics of his diet? Every time every time we push for, like, the specifics, he's very cagey. Yeah, I, I just think that's Carson's personality. You know, he he does not like to give specifics on anything. Um, and, and he's he's frankly been that way really since he got here. But even more so now, he, he kind of likes to approach things big picture as opposed to giving any specific examples. Well, but that, he did concede annoying. that he misses pizza. <laughs> yeah, I liked uh, the, I liked your uh, I liked your a uh, you know a, a, a torture that uh, no one deserves. <laughs> that was good. Well, I, I I think our listeners will appreciate that. That was that was a bonus for our our listeners. And and then the the thing he kept harping on too was his mental state that he he's just freer of mind now uh, that he he feels better mentally than he did last year. And then the last thing is the type of teammate he is, and and that's always hard to gauge. I've heard other teammates discuss it. You know, I was asking around the locker room a bit. Uh, no one's really going to come out and say this guy's a horrible teammate, especially after that Philly voice story. And I think that usually comes out in or it comes up the type of teammate you are in adverse situations. Uh, but it is something that that has been a big story this offseason, and he has made more strides in terms of including defensive players, different things he's he's done in gathering teammates together. But I tend to agree with what Malcolm Jenkins said, which is, you know, that's that's good, but they don't necessarily need that. What they need is is Carson to perform on Sundays. And uh, and, and so it's it's a critical year for him. That that's my favorite thing about Malcolm Jenkins is that like you're working on an angle or a story and, uh, you know, you you ask a question and he's just like he doesn't just sort of feed the exactly. uh, narrative. He's, you know, like he doesn't care if Carson Wentz is taking him to dinner. Like he's got enough going on. Just go up there and play well. I mean, I, him I, feel- and I think Brandon Brooks is the other guy who's good at that. Like just telling you yes. what he actually thinks of yeah. your question. Yeah, I feel like the uh, you know, the, the thing with Wentz's body is uh, I don't know if it's been undersold. I mean, we've talked about it a lot, but. Uh, I just can't stress how much that, you, you know, I remember that first press conference he did in that Sixers t-shirt before he had even said a word. Uh, Bo, I think uh, you and I had talked about it before that, like our first impression was, whoa, like this guy looks yeah. a lot different. And uh, I don't know, what, when was that? April, maybe? Is that when they reported? Is that Yeah, when that so it was right before the draft. Okay, so yeah, that was April. So obviously that was, uh, you know, what, halfway through the offseason. And so what I like is that he didn't just say, uh, this off season, I'm fine. It was a, you know, these are fluke injuries. I'm going to keep, you know, I, I have no issues with teammates. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. It, it does seem like reading your piece, Zach, and uh, observing that he has said, you know what, I can make uh, some moves here, some adjustments to give myself the best chance at success. And I think that's all you can ask for. I mean, I don't know if he's going to stay healthy or not. You pointed out, I, I thought well in there that this is four straight years 
right, where he's had some type of uh, injury that he's dealt with that has kept him out, uh, kept him out at least a little bit. And so that's, you know, as he said, it's basically going to be a storyline until it's not a storyline anymore. And I, I think in one of the posts we did uh, where we all did those over-unders for the Eagles, I was trying to find other quarterbacks who had these injury issues early in their career. And then, uh, you know, they kind of got over them. And I think Matthew Stafford was the one example where I think his first two years in the league, he missed like double digit games. And then I think he didn't miss a game for the next six seasons. And then, you know, there are the other guys who just um, have been healthy their entire careers. And then there's the other end of the spectrum with guys who just never get over it. So uh, it's impossible to predict. It's quite frankly, uh, you know, a little bit annoying to discuss at times because you don't really have a good answer or good insight. But I thought at least he's taking the right steps to give himself a chance. I think that's fair. Uh, last thing before we move on to the NFC East, Shield, did you uh, did you want to weigh in on the discussion over uh, Howie Roseman and the uh, the use of mid round picks and whether or not it has been uh, reckless, or did you not even get to listen to that episode? No, I did. I listened to it today. Uh, well, I'll say I, I'll start with I like coming at it from your angle of. Um, you know, regardless of past success, we should be looking at all these moves with a critical eye. And so I'm totally on board with that and agree with that. I think in terms of the actual discussion, I was probably a little bit more on Z-Berm's side. I don't think that I would describe it as reckless. I think I had a different take on the Golden Tate trade when you look at the lesson. Well, we know that you had a different take on the Golden Tate trade. Learn there. I think that if you are going to take a big swing on a move like that, that is not something I necessarily have an issue with because I think as Zach had mentioned, I mean, if you didn't like the Golden Tate trade, then don't you have to say you were against the JHIE trade? I mean, what, no, what was you the don't. The terms Why? were different. Okay, how much? By a round and a year of control. And it's also way easier to ingratiate a running back into an offense midseason than it is a wide receiver. Okay, well, I think their big issue there was a disconnect between here is the player we are getting and here's how we are going to incorporate him uh, midway through the season rather than, Hey, it's a, we're giving up too much. I mean, I, I don't have an, I, I, I kind of am from the perspective that you have this window and if you feel like you have a chance, you can take some big swings. I mean, if anything, they've shown that they can get over a lot of these mistakes because they are savvy in sort of making up for them down the road. And so uh, that was, that's my takeaway from the Tate trade, why it was a bad trade. It's because they had no plan for this guy. And you thought, well, at least I thought, I know you didn't, Paul, that when they made the trade, okay, they have some sort of idea about how he's going to help them. And then it turned out they had no idea and their best chance was to move to, uh, to 12 personnel. So uh, I, don't necess- I, I don't agree with the term uh, reckless with that. I think it was a calculated decision that obviously if they could have back, they would want it back and we'll see how it affects their decision-making in the future. I agree with Shield entirely. Everything he said was more succinct and, and better stated than what I said yesterday. So, uh, what about all? But Shield. what about the what about the comp picks and what about the Thorson pick? Which you you know, if if you want to, uh, I get the credit for Tate. I'll give you a little credit for Thorson. Uh, it's it's all part and parcel of the same thing. Well, I actually disagree. The Thorson pick to me was bad because of the player they picked. I actually disagree that using a fifth round pick on uh, a quarter, you know, if you if you identify a quarterback who you think has upside and you know can be a viable backup, and then maybe Extremely you can trade unlikely. 
Extremely unlikely, but also if you look at, you know, I know you you had the good uh, note there about sort of finding backup quarterbacks in the later rounds, but, you know, I don't know what is the position where you're so much more likely to find a guy in the later rounds. Like, all right, maybe I think, it's... Uh, well, I mean, I did this work during the, the pre-draft process, and we talked about it. I, I don't remember the exact specifics, but I think that it is uh, interior offensive linemen and... Running backs and linebackers are, are, are much more uh, likely to be worthwhile in that round of the draft. Which is fine, but also, you know, then you also have to weigh the upside. I mean, of if, course. You, if you do hit on a, even if it's a backup quarterback, borderline starter type guy, that's going to be much more valuable. My issue, again, with that pick was that, you know, it, it, you, if you're going to say you're, you know, uh, at the forefront of analytics, and then you look at these studies that show that just accuracy at the college level is so important and so indicative that guys just do not generally get significantly better in the NFL. I think it was Bill Connolly, who's now at ESPN, wrote just this terrific piece, which we referenced at the draft. Uh, I don't see how you make that pick. And I, you know, I'm sure that, you know, I'm not sure, but I would guess that the analytics team was probably saying, you might want to look at this. And, you know, Doug Peterson was probably like, Hey, we worked this guy out or whatever. And we like this guy's take tape and his makeup and all these things. And that's why I thought, uh, so it was compounding the fact that you only had five picks. You do need to get younger. You need to fill holes on the roster. You need to do a good job using these resources when you pay your starter a lot of money. And then this is the quarterback who you're trying to take a swing on. So it was all those things together. Then also that you won that stupid game we played that uh, made me so annoyed yes. about the uh, Thorson pick. Uh, thank you for recognizing it uh, is, another it, one of my victories. Your, your general thought, though, is absolutely right in that we had the owner of this team a month before the draft saying we believe in volume drafting, as, and we had the GM of the team saying uh, we have to play the cop pick game to accumulate draft capital as a way to build around a franchise quarterback. And then they did not uh, do any of that. So uh, um, I think, you know, yeah, I would not have, you know, I would not be giving up the pick to keep LJ Ford and Andrew Sandejo um, on the roster. So I think that that is sort of a a fine uh, criticism to levy in their direction. Well, do you agree that the Dillard trade and and we say this without knowing the player that Dillard is going to become. You know, he he might not be good, but the the Dillard trade within its spirit uh, is worth sacrificing the draft volume because that plays a part in it. I do, and I agree with you, and I think Bo agrees with this with this too. That when we talk about draft volume, yes, we should not be just looking at overall picks. I mean, if you're taking three guys in the seventh round. Like, who cares that, you know, those are those could be uh, undrafted free agents. I do agree that volume. I don't know what the cutoff is. You know, there's probably a good study to be done. Is it the first two rounds? Is it the first three rounds? Is it the first 75 players, first 100 players? Whatever you want to say, you know, I, I think just kind of observationally, I would say, yeah, accumulate as many picks as possible. The first uh, two days of the draft is probably more important than overall volume. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's something that's probably worth exploring more. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think, um, as you said, if we're going to rip the Texans, and rightfully so, for not having the foresight to know that it, they kind of to stay ahead of the Eagles to grab Dillard, then you have to give the Eagles credit probably for making that move as well. I just think you have to uh, – you touched on this, Sheila. You have to judge them 
based off the things we know they want to do. So we, we knew they wanted to add a, a young quarterback. They drafted a terrible one. We knew that they wanted to add comp picks. They are, they are projected to have just one. Who knows? Maybe they'll, they'll cut one of these guys during the season and it'll increase. Like, they didn't say it, but I feel extremely confident that the Eagles probably wanted to move down from the Ortega Whiteside pick, right, and pick up some extra selections after having the dealer trade. They were unable to do that. Uh, I think there are a lot of ways in which, yes, maybe they have uh, built this Super Bowl caliber roster, but there are, are a lot of ways in which Howie Roseman has not probably executed on, on things that he wanted to do. Yeah, I think we have to look at it as a larger sort of, you know, I don't know if it's a year from now or two years from now, but I, I just feel like with some of these things, there is um, there's a way to get out of the hole and accomplish your goals That's while fair. you're also while you're also you know you know like you said I mean I don't think it would shock any of us if they what is it they can they can get rid of LJ Fort by what week and I think get that back week ten I think that I mean it is. yeah that uh, that would I don't think that would really shock any of us <laughs> if that's the case so maybe in week eleven we're having this and it's oh okay well they got that um, pick back at least and there could be things next off season to sort of uh, make up for it. Let me ask you guys this quick hypothetical. If they don't make that trade, if they stay at 25, who are they taking? Good question. I don't have the thing in front of me. Do you have a name you think they would have taken? Oh, no, no, so I'll, I'll give you the, the next few picks. And okay. So it, it was Dillard at 22, and then it was Titus Howard, Josh Jacobs, Marquise Brown, Montez Sweat, Jonathan Abram, uh, Jerry Tillery, LJ Collier, uh, DeAndre Baker. And and perhaps they trade down, but but my point is, the draft looks different if they have an additional fourth and additional sixth round pick, which is what they traded to move up three spots. Um, that goes to the volume argument. So I I agree with everything you said about volume, but I also think that if if you're getting three of your top sixty players and and you have Andre Dillard ranked as a top ten player, let's say or top fifteen, I think how he said top fifteen. Uh, a top 10 player on, on draft day, to me, that's worth giving up your fourth and sixth round pick, which is going to be what a top 200 player for you, probably. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that looks like the, looks like it was a great move. And I think at the time, even uh, yeah, I think, you know, I, I think we thought that was a, a fine move to make. Yeah, I agree with that. So, so, so that's my only point about volume is that, I agree with everything Post said that you need to judge them based on what they say their plan is. That being said, you, you, you're not doing your job well if you're not nimble, if you're not opportunistic. It's, it's totally like if, you do a, if, if, if you're doing a fantasy football auction and all of a sudden a, a guy goes under budget and, and you swoop in, you know, that's, 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 that's part of management there. So I, uh, I, I don't kill them for that. No, uh, but I, I also I, I think you're I'm I'm not killing them for that either. I think that that was the right move. I think that there are speaking to your nimbleness, they could then have been able to uh, create extra picks elsewhere. But sure, okay, there we go. Yeah, no, I, I think it's true that they need to get younger and they need to be smart uh, with building around Wentz. And you are right that some of the moves we have seen don't indicate that. But I, again, I also think, all right, let's look at this maybe a year from now. It could look different. Certainly two years from now, it could look different. Uh, the other thing that, uh, you know, I had, I don't know, is there more on that? Or I had another note here on the roster I was going to ask. Go for it. I was just going to add that uh, Doug, there was a weird moment in Doug Peterson's press conference yesterday where he made it sound like, 
perhaps Clayton Thorson chose the Cowboys practice squad over the Eagles practice squad. Oh. When in that instead, they signed Kyle Lalletta, but that turned out to be just sort of, uh, I think, a miscommunication. It turns out that, that the Eagles did choose, choose Lalletta. Okay. Uh, you know, I was looking at Zach's write-up of all 53 players, and the one thing that stood out to me is just sort of the, you know, we, I think we came into the summer, maybe even the spring, thinking this is a deep uh, secondary with a lot of answers. And I feel like going into week one, and maybe this will change at some point, it really feels like they're sort of an injury away from kind of having some major question marks there. Uh, you know, I, I know we've discussed the safety situation before, and okay, if McLeod goes down, then you move Avante Maddox back there, but then you look at the cornerback situation going into week one, and you're not deep there uh, like you thought you were before, and Ronald Darby will be playing for the first time. So that's sort of the area that I have an eye on uh, going into the season. And then as we've discussed before, how how happy is Rasul Douglas going to be with his role? I know you guys said that he, you know, you kind of anticipate that he'll rotate in there and play. But I, I feel like if there's going to be a problem area in the first month of the season that we're saying, whoa, the, you know, they're really getting kind of lit up here. Uh, that seems like it would what it would be for me. Any thoughts, Zach? I agree with what Shields said. Um, I think that part of that is, you know, Craven LeBlanc is a guy that they expected for depth. He goes down. If another corner goes down, they're they're really thin there. But I think right. most teams, if they lose two corners, if they lose two of their five projected, and, and, and Jalen Mills, too, is not back. Now, those are things you plan for in the case of, of Jalen Mills. But if you're down three corners, not a lot of teams can survive it. I think that the... And this actually goes to the previous conversation, too. Uh, Mike Sando has a good piece now on The Athletic about uh, different executives kind of picking concerns for each team. And the concern that he identified with, with the Eagles is the potential health issues with the amount of older players they have. And as I was going through each player, uh, it's just staggering to me how many of them I'm like, well, if he's healthy this year, because there's a lot of guys who have that question mark. And I know you can say that for most teams, but I, I, I do think it's more significant with the Eagles because of the amount of players who are, who are either coming off injuries or, or who are on the tail end of their career. Well, and, you know, it, it comes up because when we go through these, you know, when we go through these teams and around the Hornbill, we always bring up the adjusted games lost and stuff like that. And the Eagles, of course, were, according to Football Outsiders, the least healthy team in the NFL last year in adjusted games lost. But... Uh, you can't just say that that you can expect that to fully revert to the mean because this is one of the oldest teams in football, and that's one of the reasons you don't want an old team is because older teams tend to get hurt more. So uh, the Eagles are are need to be pricing in that risk. I think they can't just uh, as we look at this team, we can't just say okay, they're they're definitely going to be healthier this year, so uh, you know they're going to win twelve games. That's true. I agree. All right. Well, in that case, we can uh, we can move on. Let's start. Hold on. Oh, okay. Before that, we really should have done this at the beginning of the show. We are twenty. Oh, you're right. Nine hours from the Birds with Friends meetup. I just shaved today. This is this is event <laughs> move. You shave. Uh, you shave the head and the face the day before the event. I, I because, gave you this, didn't I? Oh, you did. Okay, I don't know. Maybe I, I don't know. You don't right. shave your head, but well, maybe, no, maybe the yeah. face. I think it, uh, I think we, I think we had a uh, we had a defop who was looking for some uh, you know minor uh, tips 
on his on his way to a, a job interview, and I said, uh, shave the night before. Yeah, uh, unless you know some of us like you shave the night before, then you wake up and it looks like you haven't shaved for uh, three know, days. So maybe that, you're a that, little more virile. I am so. looking forward to uh, to this event and meeting our listeners, but I got to admit, I did not coordinate my shaving schedule around this event. <laughs> I, I did not consider it that monumental. It's, well, I, I think I did that for my wedding, but but certainly not not the Birds with Friends meetup. Well, listen, and this of course, goes. Zach, Zach will sign any books you bring, Fifty Shades of Grey, whatever you've got. He will happily sign. <laughs> uh, that would be an odd signature. Pistolas del Sur yep. at uh, at seven p.m. Wednesday evening. Uh, food specials, drink specials, vegetarian options for my friends. You know, we we can talk about how uh, Carson Wentz was totally out of line with his man card comment about uh, cutting out meat. If you would like to do that, so uh, we look forward to seeing everyone. You know, if the turnout Does that is mean bad, you're not going to be buying a like rifle scope off of Carson Wentz's uh, Amazon shop. If the turnout is bad, uh, we will not be doing, you know, one of these meetups ever again. I, I can tell you that much. And uh, again, thanks to Rich Bobby, uh, the official events coordinator of Birds with Friends. Make sure you uh, you look for him. Also, uh, a fellow bald man, although he's got a little uh, he's got a little goatee going, which I do not. But uh, certainly, offer to buy him a drink and thank him for organizing this. Uh, sh- should be a lot of fun. What's your guess as to the order in which the three Birds with Friends co-hosts are going to arrive? Well, you guys are closer than I am. Uh, I like to be fashionably late. Uh, you know, I'm mean, like a 10 to 10, 12 minutes after. Um, I don't know. Am I going to Uber? Am I going to drive and park? What's my move going to be? So I would think you guys should probably be there before I am. Yeah, but you're the one who's going to be working out the uh, logistics, you know, backwards heading in. That's true, and I sometimes do overcompensate and arrive to things very early and then sit in my car by myself, <laughs> which uh, I very much enjoy. All right, so, so look, look for Sheil sitting in a uh, car about a block away from uh, Pistola's <laughs> Dulcer at 7.05 tomorrow <laughs> evening. Uh, yes, I look forward to it. Should be fun. Okay. Uh, during Somebody called me out on this on Twitter, and it was true. Uh, they were wondering when I was asking Howie Roseman uh, about uh, Claps and Thorgood, during the press conference the other day, I sort of paused, and it was because I was probably about to use one of the fake names and not the real name. But I, I did eventually catch myself. It's a kind of, that's the kind of trouble this podcast can get you into. <laughs> All right. Let's start with Washington. Uh, the Washington football team, they brought in Trayvon Hester, Wendell Smallwood, Dwayne Haskins, Montez Sweat, Terry McLaurin, Landon Collins, Jonathan Bostick, Dominic Rogers, Cromarty, Eric Flowers. They get a healthy Darius Geis. They have Case Keenum in the fold now. They lost, it seems like, Trent Williams, Zach Brown, Haha Clinton Dix, Jamison Crowder, Preston Smith, Ty Inshecki. Last year on offense, they were 28th in offensive DVOA, uh, 20th the year before that, 5th the year before that, 20th in defensive DVOA last year, 11th before that, 25th in 2016. This year, they have a uh, relatively easier than average schedule, 12th easiest, according to Warren Sharp. They were a little bit more injured than average last season. Their special teams are mediocre, and last year they were tied for 10th in the league in defensive takeaways. Their over-under is pretty low. Six wins for Washington. 
Uh, Mr. National, we will, we will start with you. Uh, I think this is going to be a terrible team. I think they're going to have a top five pick in next year's draft. I think they're going to finish last in the NFC East. Uh, this was an offense, I think, as you mentioned, that was 28th in DVOA last year. Yes, they had uh, a rotating group of quarterbacks, but now that offensive line is suddenly uh, very much in flux with Trent Williams not showing up. I think Eric Flowers is set to start for them at left guard in week one against the Eagles, which, uh, you know, if Fletcher Cox for Malik Jackson, yeah. Yeah, if, I mean, those games. Maybe Fletcher Malik Cox Jackson's going to hit Zach's over-under on sacks just in this game. <laughs> he might. Zach might get to uh, really uh, really crow about that during the post-game pod there, and I'm sure Fletcher Cox is very motivated to to get back to that game and play in week one. Uh, they were very injured offensively last year, but, you know, this is just an organization that is, uh, you know, probably one of, if not the most poorly run organization in the NFL. I know they have some talent in the front seven defensively. I don't, I don't know. I never watch those guys and think, wow, you know, they're, they're dominating a game or, uh, you know, you really have to worry about them. There are some talented players, but I think maybe a little bit overrated. They tried to fire. This is like wow, a story. Feel, I, that, that feels like a direct shot at Fran Duffy. <laughs> This or maybe your boy Greg Cosell. I don't know. Uh, this I think has been uh, forgotten. But remember, they tried to fire their defensive coordinator early in the offseason. I don't know if anyone remembers this. Uh, they I don't remember to, that. Yeah, I think they tried to fire him and replace him with somebody else, but they couldn't get the guy they wanted to replace him with. So then they just brought him back, <laughs> which is uh, very indicative yeah, of a good, about right. good process. So uh, I've got them down. You know, I'm going to have my full season predictions on the athletic guy. Uh, they were going to run today, but they're held until tomorrow. I've got them at 4-12 and 12 this season. Now, well, well, we'll get to the we'll, – we'll save your records, okay? Oh, okay. We're not there. Right. We're not just there, there just yet. Uh, Tell me ahead of time. Zach, uh, we don't have to talk too much about Washington because we will get to unpack the actual week one matchup uh, later this week. However, your, uh, your big picture thoughts on uh, the team with the racist name. Uh, yeah, I, I don't like this roster very much. Uh, don't like their offensive line, like Shield said. Don't think they have – the skill position players do like Darius Geis. Uh, I still think when Jordan Reed's on the field and he has a, uh, a concussion, he's in the concussion protocol now, I, I believe. But I, he is I now still and think he, he will be later. He he's a high level tight end, but I don't like their talent on on the outside. They have Shields' old friend Paul Richardson there, uh, and then defensively, yeah, I, I think they're missing some some. Uh, Pieces in, in in the linebacking core from a year ago that you know that they haven't adequately replaced. I do like their defensive line. I think they've made some good picks there, in particular Jonathan Allen, uh, Landon Collins. I'd like the player. I don't like the price. So yeah, you know, I, I I do think there was an overpay there. You tend to overpay for top of the market free agents. Uh, that being said, I agree that this is the worst team in the NFC. I'm sorry, in the NFC East and. I would think that Haskins should play sooner rather than later. If you are going to have a top 10 pick next year, you want to see what you have in Haskins. I know you just spent a first rounder on him, but if, you know, if, if you're drafting top three, a quarterback's never off the table. That being said, I, I, I did like Haskins coming out of Ohio state. Um, and I, I curious to see 
uh, when he gets in there, if he's in there when the Eagles play Washington later on this year. By the way, you mentioned Paul Richardson, and the first thought I had was, uh, and this goes back to the beginning of the podcast when I did that piece in Seattle asking, uh, you know, give me a teammate who's had a, a good summer or who you think is in store for a big year. He was one of the people who refused to answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> and I saw some of the people, some, some people did that, uh, oh, yeah. in your piece, Bo, uh, my gosh, that just puts you on my list. Give me uh, a you, break with this you, nonsense. Yeah. You've you've got a, a target on your back in terms of, uh, <laughs> my criticism of you when you can't even answer such a simple question. Is it true that there is, is our lads right? That their starting three receivers are going to be Paul Richardson, Terry McLaurin, and, tr- and some guy named Trey Quinn. That's correct. They cut Josh Doxson. Uh, and they may have the worst group of pass catchers in the uh, entire league. Yeah, who, certainly... who is even competing with that? Yeah, they're in the conversation for sure. Yikes. All right. The Dallas Cowboys. It, currently in the mix uh, in terms of finally re-signing Ezekiel Elliott, uh, it sounds like. Reports say they brought, also brought in Robert Quinn, Randall Cobb, Kellen Moore is calling plays now. They drafted Tony Pollard, which they tell everybody about any chance they get. And they brought back Jason Witten, which I, I really feel like we sort of dropped the ball and not, not talking about Jason Witten enough on this podcast. Uh, they let uh, Jeff Swaim go, so that's going to hurt. J.J. Wilcox, Alan Hearns. Last year, they were 24th in offensive DVOA, although they uh, did obviously have a little bit of an uptick towards the end of the season once Amari Cooper got there. But but the two years before that, they were a top 10 offensive DVOA. Last year, they were ninth on defense, all the way up from 25th the year before. This year, they have a relatively easy schedule, 10th easiest, according to Warren Sharp. They were middle of the road in adjusted games lost, and they had bad special teams last year, and they were exactly uh, in the middle of the NFL in terms of defensive takeaways. Uh, Sheil, if you were a Cowboys fan, would you care about Ezekiel Elliott, uh, or you just think that he's going to be fine whenever he gets there? What do you mean? Would I care about how, how he's going to I look? Don't know. When is, he is plays? There, do you mind if he's going to show up week one at like 250 pounds? I mean, he's never exactly struck me as like a workout warrior. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. Are there photos somewhere where he, you're just like, wow, this guy's rocked up and one of the uh, most finely tuned athletes? Uh, I mean, it, it might give me pause if I'm giving him $90 million that, uh, you know, that's the case, but uh, no, nah, I mean, I, I don't think, no, I don't think he'll have like this long period where he needs to be uh, re, what's the word, assimilated into the offense. Is that the right word? Yeah, that's a good word. Okay. Are you expecting big things for Jason Witten? Uh, well, if you read my, you know, 10 of my 10 favorite bets, you know that the under on Jason Witten receptions, 39 and a half. Oh, that's huge. At plus 100. I mean, you're stealing. You're stealing if you take that bet at 39 and a half receptions. I Come love on. that. Got, yeah, that's a great 30, bet. 37 years old, and who knows how much he's even going to be on the field. So uh, overall, I like uh, I like their defense quite a bit. A lot of talented, young, fast players on that defense. They, I think they've been well coached for years with Rod Marinelli has kind of really gotten the most out of that group. And, of course, they added my boy Chris Richard from Seattle last year so uh, i think they're legit on defense and i think that's going to keep them in a lot of games my concern is that you know everybody kind of points to new offensive coordinator kellen moore replacing scott linehan yeah where is this evidence that kellen moore is some offensive genius 
I think that's right. And, you know, he may be good. I, I'm not saying he's going to be terrible or a bust or anything, but uh, I feel like with a lot of these teams, we look at it and we say, oh, they made changes or, hey, they drafted uh, two offensive linemen. They fixed that. Like, just because you change something does not mean you solved your problem. And certainly if he's well, doing well uh, a lot of things that are different, then I think that there certainly could be an adjustment period uh, for this offense where maybe, a, you know, it, it really struggles early in the season. So uh, I think that's a big storyline. I, I think if he can make a positive difference, they certainly can compete for a playoff spot. I think if it's, uh, if that's not the case and there's sort of this, uh, you know, whatever four, six week period where everybody's unsure what they're doing and it doesn't turn out to be this huge uh, difference maker, then I think they will be uh, on the outside looking in, in terms of the postseason. Zach, tell us about your thoughts on the Cowboys. Like this team, I I think they're the butt oh, of too many goodness. jokes. Uh, I think they're the butt of too many jokes in Philadelphia. I I agree with what Shields said about their defense. They have a good defense. They have good talent there. Um, you think Jason you Garrett's know, they, a good coach? What's that? You're going to defend Jason Garrett as a good coach? <laughs> I'm not going to defend Jason Garrett, but I I I I think this team has. I mean, first off, I I really like Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper has has hurt the Eagles when he's played them. Um, just look at that, the fourth quarter in overtime last year, uh, really high level receiver. Cowboys were a different team after they added him a year ago. I think Dak Prescott's an underrated quarterback. I, I don't think he's a $30 million quarterback. You really just like are relentless in checking all the boxes for, <laughs> just, for defending, telling... <laughs> defending people who stink. <laughs> no, I, I, I disagree there. I mean, I'm 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 not gonna pander just because I'm on an Eagles podcast. I I, I think there's there's <laughs> there's too much of that elsewhere. I, I I think that that they're a good team, and frankly, they're the, they're the defending division champs, and so they deserve to be talked about that way. Um, they they beat the Eagles twice last year. Uh, I think the Eagles are a better team than Dallas, but I don't think this is this is just a team you're gonna walk over. I, I mean, this is a this is a good team that beat the Eagles twice last year. And, you know, if Ezekiel Elliott's back and, and everything I'm, I'm, I'm reading is that he's, he's going to be, I, I think that the addition of, 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 of Cooper last year really changed things there. And uh, so I think this is the second best team in the, in the division. I think it's a two-team race in the NFC East. Uh, and I, I don't think it's the type of thing where the Eagles can just – show up and beat Dallas. Dallas is a good team. I think those are fair things to say, uh, although it's probably unfair to your boy Eli Manning to say that uh, the NFC East is a two-team race. Let's go to <laughs> let's go to the Giants. Well, well one last thing on the, on the Cowboys is just that, uh, you know, this is not like a, a tangible thing, but, you know, the fact that they're going to have potentially Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, Byron Jones entering the final year of their contracts, along with Jason Garrett, uh, you know, just whatever the, the lame duck thing gets thrown around going into the final year of his contract. And like Gary Jones gets asked about it and just like laughs and says, next question. It is sort of a strange uh, environment for uh, for that team with so many people kind of having uh, all this riding on 2019. It strikes me as a team that has some serious uh, blow up potential, I would say because of those reasons. Okay. 
The New York Football Giants, the classiest organization uh, in all of sports. Last year, they were, uh, you may not remember this, the overall in DVOA, the Giants ranked the highest of any team in the NFC East. They were 13th on offense uh, a season ago, 23rd the year before that. They were 24th on defense, 24th the year before that. This year, they have the sixth easiest schedule. They were uh, relatively healthy last season. They actually had very good special teams last year after having the worst special teams in the league the season before. They were middle of the road in takeaways. They lost Kyle Lauletta, Odell Beckham, Landon Collins, Jonathan Stewart, who was the paragon of uh, why position value was a crock, Eric Flowers, Mario, Ed- Mario Edwards, and Olivier Vernon. But they brought in Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes, Golden Tate, Dexter Lawrence. They drafted uh, O'Shane Zimenez and DeAndre Baker. They brought in Mike Remmers. They traded for Kevin Zeitler. They brought in Antoine Bethay and Marcus Golden. Their over-under is the same as Washington's. Six wins on the dot for the New York football giants. Uh, Sheil, you are a devoted Pat Shermer uh, fan. Ha. How do you feel about, uh, about the fight in football giants? Well, I can't wait to hear how you feel about the, uh, about the New York Giants. Uh, you know, I, I think they are better than Washington. I think that they that is surprise. I mean, that was surprising when I was doing my research too, and I saw, whoa, they they had a better uh, DVOA than both the Eagles and the yeah, Cowboys. Yeah, I did not remember that at all. Yeah, ne- neither did I. So that was uh, that was very interesting. But you know, you just mentioned all the talent that they lost. I think they might have the worst defensive talent in the NFL. They may have the worst pass rush. Uh, in the NFL. I mean, there is really no one uh, up front there that you have to worry about or game plan for. And they were 31st in adjusted sack percentage last year. And that was with Olivier Vernon. So I think that that's going to obviously be a huge issue for them. They were 13th offensively in DVOA last year, uh, in large part due to Saquon Barkley, who, uh, you know, again, if you read my piece, offensive player of the year, plus 2000, uh, I kind of like those odds. He's going to be getting a lot of work there. Uh, their offensive line has been upgraded uh, a little bit with Kevin Zeitler coming over from the Browns. And you would think that second year player, Will Hernandez could improve a little bit. It's not an elite offensive line, but I, you know, I would say mediocre, maybe slightly uh, above mediocre. Still don't think this is a good team. Obviously it's a matter of time uh, before they move on from Eli and throw Daniel Jones in there. I don't know what week That's it will be. Think. Yeah. I think they're probably, uh, you know, as, well, I won't give my record because you told me not to. Who starts more games this year, Daniel Jones or Dwayne Haskins? I am going to say Dwayne Haskins. I think it might be Daniel Jones. What do you think, Zach? I think it should be Dwayne Haskins. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I, I actually think it's going to be Dwayne Haskins. Because here's the thing. With Dwayne Haskins, we know ownership made that selection. And, you know, if they start out, whatever, one and three, they're going to go down and say, hey, Dwayne That's Haskins is, is playing, whereas it's sort of the opposite with the Giants, where, you know, Shermer may want to start Daniel Jones in week one, but ownership just came out and, uh, and said Eli Manning's the quarterback. So I, I think that's the reason there. Okay, fair enough. Zach, any thoughts on your old stomping grounds? <laughs> well, they're a classy organization with a two-time Super Bowl winning quarterback, right? <laughs> um <laughs> I, I said that to bother you, Bo. I, uh, yeah, I understand. I, I don't like this team very much. 
I don't like this roster at all right now. Um, I agree with what Shields said about their defense. Don't think they have enough pieces there. I think offensively, they have individual talent at wide receiver with Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate. But That's don't debatable. I, I, I don't necessarily like them together. Evan Ingram's a good tight end, and who doesn't like Saquon Barkley? Uh, but just overall, don't think they have the firepower on offense, don't think they have a good enough defense, and think they're the third or fourth best team in the NFC East. So to recap, uh, if you had to pick one of the three over-unders, which one would you pick? The Giants in Washington at six and Dallas at nine. Do, you, you don't want to say anything about uh, the Giants, Bo, and Pat Shermer? Is that coming later or what? Listen, uh, if you want somebody to uh, win a Week 17 game, you know that Pat Shermer is your guy. You know that's how I feel. Change this tune, okay. All I right. mean, listen, this is an organization that is just, uh, it's, it's, it's a joke. I think, I think we all know that. I think, uh, you think the organization's a joke? Yes, yeah, I think that's definitely correct. The organization's not a joke. I, I, I feel strongly about that. The organization's not a joke. Why? Because they do a good job at uh, covering up uh, spousal abuse with a kicker? No, no, not because of that at all. Oh, not because of that. Okay. Is it because uh, they love to draft uh, running backs early on and uh, Gettleman doesn't think that positions matter at all? <laughs> no, because not because they, of that. Is it because they, uh, they just give away the best player on their team? No, I, I, I'm just saying that there are certain organizations that you look at and you say that's, that's not a well-run organization yeah i, I, think, I agree that, that I think there's this have, there's this faux mystique with the giants that they do no, not deserve no i i think if 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 you don't look at things through like a one two three year spectrum and you look at things over let's say over the past two decades this has been a well-run organization i i, I think that's fair to say okay well i'm gonna i'm gonna tilt a little bit uh I mean, I'm, I'm not defending David. I'm gonna, certainly not going to defend Jerry Reed, but I I do think though that over you know that that they have sh- strong ownership. Um, that, hey, yikes! What's that? Yikes! You don't think they have strong ownership? Yeah, they're fine. I mean, they're certainly the second best uh, or best owners in the division, but that's not saying that much. All right, let's. Let's move on. <laughs> I just don't know how Bo's going to look uh, old, old Patty in the eyes the next time they play golf together uh, mm. or do lunch yeah. after this commentary. Uh, to answer your question, I would say, now are, are you taking the Eagles out of this in terms of the four We can put the Eagles in. I'll give you a big, I guess I should have closed the book with the Eagles on this same uh, around the Hornbill stuff we did for the other teams. Last year, uh, as you probably know, 16th in offensive DVOA, 8th the year before that in which they won the Super Bowl, 15th in DVOA last season after having top five defenses in each of the seasons before that. Uh, last year they were dead last in terms of adjusted games lost, but as we've talked about, they are an older team. They were uh, middle of the road on special teams each of the last two seasons. They have the third easiest schedule, according to Warren Sharp, this season. Uh, they were towards the bottom of the league in defensive takeaways after being towards the top of the league the year before. They brought in Deshaun Jackson, Miles Sanders, Andre Dillard, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, Jordan Howard, uh, a new back for Carson Wentz, Malik Jackson, Andrew Sandejo, L.J. Fort, Hassan Ridgeway, Josh McCown, Nate Herbig. They lost. 
Michael Bennett, Chris Long, Nick Foles, Jay Ajayi, Wendell Smallwood, Mike Wallace, Jordan Hicks, Jordan Matthews, Josh Hawkins, Gunter Brewer. Their over-under is 10 wins. Okay, so the two over-unders I like here the most, is that what I'm supposed to be doing here? Just, just one. We'll get to Just our one. real favorite picks uh, league-wide. The one that I, li- I think I would like the Eagles over nine and a half wins the most. Interesting. I think I would go... I think I would... One, uh, I guess I would go Washington under. Yeah, I would, I would go Washington under and just protecting myself in, in case of a Carson Wentz injury. Okay. Uh, because... I, I just don't see a pathway for Washington to win eight, nine, ten games. I, I, I think the Eagles are clearly the best team in the division, best roster, best coaching staff. Um, but, you know, they, I, if, if you take Carson Wentz out in week four, let's say, I don't know what their record is. So, All right. We feel good about the NFC East. We're ready to move on? Let's move on. Okay. Always move on. All right, Chill. Now I want. I'm curious. You've got you've got records for every team, right? I agonized over this. I hate my picks. Uh, is the Capadia curse is going to be in full effect? But yes. Now, did you I, pick I, every game? Did you go through the whole schedule? No, but I made sure to you add, added, sure up they added two fifty six okay. on both sides. Yes, okay, that's important. Now, now again, I have a chance to adjust these before they go live on the site tomorrow morning. So if you guys if make any arguments, yeah. All right, I like that. All right, uh, why don't we start in the NFC East? Give me your uh, respective uh, places of finish for the NFC East. I guess places of finish, not I'll the record. Go, I'll go first. Okay, if you want. Uh, I haven't. I don't have records for all of them, but I think I think that it will be Eagles in first, Dallas in second, Giants in third, Washington in fourth. I have the same thing. I have the same thing. Wow, everybody, huh? <laughs> that's that's extremely boring. Well, well, okay. I think the other divisions will probably lead to more discussion. Okay. Uh, how about the NFC North? We uh, this is the division the Eagles play this year, so uh, some extra interest. I think we have talked a lot about. The Chicago Bears and how I think they are, uh, they are primed for regression. Uh, I have the Detroit Lions in fourth, the Chicago Bears in third, the Green Bay Packers in second, and Kirk Cousins, the Melvin, leading the Minnesota Vikings to a first-place finish. Oh, you love Kirk Cousins this year. Wow. What a turn of events. Wait until we get to the playoffs. Wait until we get to the playoffs. Okay. Uh, I think that's a very good roster. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I have the exact same same order. Really? I think you've, uh, yeah. Wow. I have the exact same order as well. Really? All right. My Wi-Fi keeps dropping, so this is... uh, this is, is getting a little bit fakakta, but, but here we are. Uh, so, Zach, you also have the same NFC North record? I do. Uh, yeah, I, I, I know that it's, it's better podcasting if we disagree on stuff, but yeah, I'm with both of you here. Can I give you a little nugget? Please. How many years do you think it's been since the Detroit Lions have advanced past the wild card round? 
This is is this. I love that this is continuing to play into your uh, your now blood rivalry with the fans of the Detroit Lions. <laughs> I'm gonna guess uh, 1992. Oh, okay. Well, I was looking for a uh, you know this many years, but okay. Zach, you got a guess? It wasn't during the Jim Schwartz era. I know that, <laughs> and it wasn't during the Rod Marinelli era. Um, I'm going all the way back to Wayne Fonts. Did 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 he ever win one? It, it it actually was 1992. I it think. was. Well, well, wow. It's been. Uh, it's been uh, you looked fa- that up. Didn't no, you no, I didn't. <laughs> they failed to advance past the wild card round in 27 straight seasons. I can't believe I hit that on the on the head. Well, you're hot. You're hot. Wow. Okay. Uh, I've got. By the way, I, here, I don't baby. know if my thing was accurate or not because I have the Packers and the Bears tied with the same record. So. Mm, okay. Yeah. I. Uh, you know, I think the general my my general process in trying to pick these teams is is just knocking down organizations that are very poorly run, and uh, the Vikings uh, trade of a fifth round pick for that kicker who they then cut uh, makes me want to knock them down. But the defense is very good. Uh, I think the offense will be better. I I, I actually do like Kubiak a lot, uh, so I think that uh, I think that they are probably the team to beat in that division. But I have a little bit of faith in Aaron Rodgers as well. One thing I've been looking at is, uh, you know, I'm always focused on those the takeaways from last year, is the, the teams who had, like, the biggest gulf between uh, their defensive DVOA and their ranking in, in takeaways. So, like, if there was a really good defense that didn't get takeaways, I feel like they're primed to get some, and, and the Vikings are one of the teams uh, who really popped up uh, one of the top three ones for me there, so... I'm giving them. I'm giving them a, a bit of a bump there. There you go. Okay, NFC South. I, I don't know. Should we keep this going? I, th- I feel like we're going to have a little bit of differences on this one. This one I agonized over yeah. uh, uh, for a very long time. I don't time. like my pick here. Okay, give it to us. I've got the Tampa Bay Bucks in fourth. The Carolina Panthers in third. The New Orleans Saints in second, and the Falcons at the top of the division, and I don't feel good about it. Mm. I have the Saints in first, the Panthers in second, the Falcons in third, and the Bucks in fourth. We have finally reached a division where we all disagree. Okay. I have the Saints in first, the Falcons in second, the Panthers in third, and the Bucks in fourth. So we agree that the Bucks are doomed. Good thing they just signed their terrible general manager to another extension. Maybe he can draft a kicker again. Are, are we to say if we have these teams in the playoffs or not, or is that at the end? I guess we'll get to that at the end. Okay, all right. Uh, but, I mean, we can talk, we can unpack it a little bit more, I suppose. Um, I just, I can't, I can't put the Saints in first after the, uh, the display that Sean Payton gave us last January. But I don't feel <laughs> good about the Falcons. I, I really don't. Uh, well, it has but I nothing think they to do so... with football, by the way. Like, like there's. <laughs> what do you mean it has nothing to do with football? He's, he's, so... a, he's an unhinged guy at the top of their organization that has everything to do with football. He's literally a Super Bowl winning coach. So and, what? He, and... That doesn't mean he can't become unhinged. So he can't win the NFC South because he's disappointed about a call at the end of the game. Like that. He's not that disappointed. Such... He's apoplectic and unable to move on, even though they got the ball first. I think you're unable to move on. Except from it. a little responsibility, Sean. <laughs> go on, go on. 
You know, one of my friends uh, recently said they they felt like uh, Zach might be reaching like a boiling point uh, before the uh, the season starts here on this podcast. So, uh, you know, I wanted to do something different with this division. I just looked at it as the Saints have a a very good offensive line. Uh, you know, yeah. what matters more than anything else is offensive efficiency, passing efficiency. They've you know they they're gonna have that barring a major injury. They've got dynamic playmakers. They're not necessarily deep. Uh, so like a Michael Thomas injury or a Camara injury could be, I don't know if devastating is the right word, but could have a bigger effect maybe than we uh, think. And then defensively, you know, I don't think they're great, but uh, they were pretty good after they acquired Eli Apple last year. And I like, I like a team with some, you know, we always talk about continuity on the offensive line. I like a secondary with some continuity and they've got, you know, basically the same players uh, coming back this year. I think that really helps when you're it's sort of different coverages and playing zone and need to know where other guys are and what your rules are and all, all those different types of things. So uh, I just looked at all those things and, um, you know, I, I ended up going with them in first place. You love the Panthers, though, huh? I had, you know what? Well, I, you know, I would say if we did this uh, like two months ago, I might have had them in first. I've become very scared in recent weeks <laughs> when, in, when in life with, in general, or just about the Panthers. Well, listen, daughter starting second grade mm-hmm. didn't help my midlife crisis today, but <laughs> uh, but the Panthers, I think, you know. I'm just worried that Cam Newton's body may be breaking down and like we might never see sort of the the freak show Cam that we've seen in previous years. And so that obviously would doom their season. It doomed their season last year. If you tell me, hey, uh, you know, Cam Newton's going to play all 16 and he's going to be at 75 percent better of physically just kind of physical shape of what he was maybe two years ago, then I would feel very good about them. I think they upgraded their offensive line. I think they made some nice additions uh, defensively. I really like their front seven. I think they have different ways they can win offensively if he is healthy, but like it would not shock me at all if I'm getting bombarded with Kapadia curse uh, tweets in like week three when Cam Newton uh, gets injured, but he was back practicing already on Sunday from that foot injury he suffered in the preseason. The reporters there say he was able to get the ball downfield in practice, which is much different than an actual game. I understand that, but uh, I feel like you got to mix it up with some of these teams. And so they were, they were the team I decided to uh, hang my hat on a little bit. I only just remembered that Atlanta took those terrible two offensive linemen in the first round. And now I feel even worse about my pick. Well, well, that was the example I thought of when we were discussing earlier about how, hey, you know, people assume just because the team changes something. Yeah, that I agree with better. that. Better. I mean, I'm reading about their upgrades on the offensive line. Like you said, you know, they've got two unproven rookies who may be starting from the get go there. Uh, they finished seventh in offensive efficiency last year and then fired their offensive coordinator. I mean, is Dirk Cutter going to give them this, this massive upgrade? I don't see it. Dan Quinn is taking over the defense. They have a a terrible pass rush. They can't get after the quarterback. So uh, they were another team though, as I was sort of agonizing, I thought, you know what, if all that matters is passing efficiency above all else, then you can make the case that the Falcons could easily win this division. Okay. You made me feel a little bit better. Z Burb, you like the Falcons, right? I like them. Not as much as the saints. I mean, I, I, I'm spoiling it here. The Saints are my Super Bowl, are my pick for the, to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl because Jeez, I, wow. I don't talk about talk about I, spoiler alert. I I just don't see many weaknesses on 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 the roster. What about what well, about uh, mental acuity for the head coach? 
I would take Sean Payton in a big game. Yeah, I mean, I I think he's you would take him in a big game, huh? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's won a Super Bowl, right? Um, so you really put a lot of stock in with somebody having won a Super Bowl. Well, isn't that the point of the game, by the way? Yeah, but I mean, just because he did it once, I don't know. So did uh, Bill Parcells. You think he could step in and uh, lead another team to a Super Bowl tomorrow? <laughs> Bill Parcells. <laughs> Why was that your? Example? I think you put a lot of I don't stock. Know. What about like, Brian Billick? Okay, that's a better. Well, like example. what you do, Bo. I, I've I've noticed this. It's like you take one thing that happened, whether it's a decision, a moment, and you think that one moment reflects everything else that happens. Yeah, that, I think that that's mostly that accurate. <laughs> um, but yeah, so and I I really like the Falcons. Uh, I, I like them offensively. I don't know if Chris if 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 uh, Chris Lindstrom is going to be. Good, you know, you're. I think, I think he's not going to be good, but. <laughs> um, and I do get worried about their lack of a pass rush, but I think they're going to be able to score points, and I, I, I think Dan Quinn's a good coach, and you know, I, 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 I think they have some pieces uh, in their back seven that are are going to help them out. Um, so, Falcons are my 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 number two, but I, I think this is the best division in football, and or at least certainly in the NFC. Uh, because I really like Carolina as as well. I think that they've done a good job improving their skill position players. I'm interested in seeing how um, both DJ Moore, Philly guy, I got to give it up for him, and then Curtis Samuel, how how both those guys look. And then uh, obviously really buying this Curtis Samuel hype, I got to say. You're I not? thought he he got a disproportionate amount of hype compared to DJ Moore. I feel yeah, like I agree Where, with that. Moore is like clearly the better player, and to me, the guy who yeah has the potential to really take a big leap and be really exciting. But yeah, I felt like Curtis Samuel was getting a little too little too much more buzz than Moore Thank was. You. Well, so then, quick question on on that, and uh, and this is somewhat of a tangent, but I I don't think so because it really connects to everything we're doing. Do you put? stock into what your eyes show you at training camp or you know because i'm i'm reading every beat reporter and, and like you guys said it's it's like every day there was something on on curtis samuel do you think that can be overblown or or do you think kind of what you're seeing in the month of august matters uh, i think it definitely can be overblown specifically with a guy like curtis samuel or you know like the the jitterbug running back or the the wide receiver who's good with the ball in his hands but is playing in an environment where he cannot be hit so i am always sort of cautious you know with like the darren sproles type or the curtis samuel type guy uh, about too much buzz for them in training camp now i i agree with that but i will add that the one i i, I was equally ex- as skeptical two years ago uh, about all the buzz that Nelson Aguilar was getting. Um, and I, I, I thought he was still going to be a total bust. But uh, he, that turned out to be probably appropriate amount of buzz. So I, I, I think it can be worthwhile, but I think you have to take it with a, uh, a mountain of salt. Okay. Okay. Uh, Mr. Kapadia, Dr. Kapadia, why don't we go to you for your former stomping grounds in the NFC West and let you uh, sing the praises of a certain spiky-haired gentleman. Well, this is one where I actually... Uh... No, I don't know that I changed the order. I did change the records based on some of the events of this past weekend, but I do still have the Rams uh, in first place. I've got the Seahawks second, I've got the Niners third, and I've got the Cardinals fourth. Zach? 
I agree with Shield. Uh, feel strongly about the first two. I really didn't know how to order three and four uh, because I'm really looking forward to seeing Arizona and Kyler Murray. Uh, but I, I just think that San Francisco has been stockpiling talent for too long that at some point it needs to translate the wins. Uh, but I, I feel comfortable with one and two, and I really like Seattle. So um, this is a, a good top of the, the division, and it's the NFC is going to be real tough. If, if you don't win your division, it's going to be tough to get a wild card in this conference. I am one of the things that I feel very strongly about after having gone through this this process is that I would like to stake my claim on the Rams not making the playoffs this year. Wow. Not making the playoffs? The Rams last year, you know that thing I was talking about, the disparity between takeaways and uh, actual defensive performance? Rams were third in takeaways last year, but 18th in defensive DVOA. That was one of the three biggest uh, differences. They were the fourth healthiest team last year. They're coming off the Super Bowl hangover that Shield loves so much. Uh, I think. Why that, do I love that so much? Because you you think that's you you, you think that's uh, not a real thing that that team oh, shouldn't. Did you say that before? Oh no, I, I hate I the rest that may, thing. That may be a real thing. I I hate the uh, we got a late start to our off season because oh, okay. we played two more weeks than everybody else, and that's why we got off to a slow start. Okay, well, whatever it is, there is a real tangible effect. I hate a lot on, of things. Uh, yeah. Well, I know that's right, and so do I. Uh, that's one thing we can agree on. Um, I think that Jared Goff is not good. I think we learned that. I think Sean McVay coach is scared. Wait, wait, we, we learned I that he's think, not good? Oh, well, wait, I mean, he scored no, three no, points no, in the Super Bowl. How did we learn that he's not good? Did you watch the Super Bowl? <laughs> so you're picking one game and saying he's not good based on that one game. Did you watch the NFC Championship? Uh, yeah, uh, it was against a okay. garbage defense. That's actually not true. That's a good defense. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think he's not good. Uh, I, I just, I, I want to pick against them so badly. I really do think that, I, I, think, I think they're in for a, a disappointing season. But I don't like any of the other teams in the NFC West. Um, Arizona, coached by uh, a guy who had a losing record in college and is not as attractive as everybody pretends that he is, but they should be fun to watch. Uh, San Francisco is run by a literal concussion uncle and Seattle. I want to like Seattle and I, and I love that. I, I, I love the clowny trade, but it's hard. Like, am I really going to bet on Brian Schottenheimer to win that division? Uh, but push come to shove. I got to do it. I'm taking, I'm taking the Seahawks first, the Rams second out of the playoffs. Where do you think the Seahawks ranked in terms of scoring offense last year? I do not feel good at all about picking the Seahawks to win this division. Uh, I'm, ask, I'm asking you a question. I don't know, 18th? Zach? In scoring? Um, points per game, just points yeah. per game for the offense. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with uh, 14th. Tied for 6th. Really? With the, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Two teams in the NFC averaged more points per game than the Seahawks last year. Great stat. Average stat. 26.8 points per game last season. I believe they were sixth in offensive DVOA. Now, to be clear, this is not me saying lay off Brian Schottenheimer. (laughs) (laughs) But but, uh, I was very surprised. I feel, you know, like, I, was, I feel like I feel like after after your love affair with Norv, 
it's probably good for you to move <laughs> on to another old, old crusty football family and defend the Schottenheimers. Well, you know, I was talking to a, an old Seahawks reporter friend at the combine having a, having a beverage or two. And, uh, you know, I said, so what do you think about is the Schottenheimer stuff overblown? And he started saying, well, if you look at their numbers and so then, then I looked at their numbers and I was like, wait, what? Yeah, that shocks me. Yeah. So uh, that, that's something uh, good for you there, Bo. All right. I like it. I'm, I'm planting my flag on the Rams are not making the playoffs. That's my call. I mean, the Rams are a really talented team, and Jared Goff. Do you ever watch, the, like, things change in the NFL year to year? No, I'm, I'm aware of that. <laughs> but you, you have a two-year sample size of Jared Goff in this offense where he's averaged, what, 30? So, so he has 60 touchdowns, 19 interceptions over the past two years, completing 63.6% of his passes, has won 24 of 31 games he started, um, now I'm not, I mean, similar to Kirk cousins, I'm not, I'm, I'm not getting here saying Jared Goffson an elite quarterback. I, I would take Russell Wilson every single day over Jared Goff. That being said, he, he clearly functions well in this offense. He has really good wide receivers. Um, he, He's he fine. has a, a, a very good offensive coach, potentially elite offensive coach. And then you go to the other side of the ball. They have the best defensive player in football over the past two years. Is that fair Josh to say? Josh Sweat? <laughs> Aaron Donald. Um, they have a good secondary. Uh, they added Eric Weddle. They added Clay Matthews to help their edge rush. Uh, so I'm, in the prime I mean, of his this team has a lot of talent. I think that's, that's fair to say. They have a lot well, of talent. I didn't talent. say they don't have a lot of talent. I just said I think, I think, that, uh, I think they're due for some regression. I didn't pick okay. them to finish last. I picked them to finish second. All right. Fair enough. The injury thing is interesting because that's been uh, each of the past two years. They've been among the least uh, least injured teams in the NFL. So that that's certainly something to keep an eye on. You and know, what's if you're it like to- for these players to have watched like their coach fawn over Bill Belichick throughout the Super Bowl process? How do they how can they look him in the face? You know, uh, I think they we probably care about that more than they do. And I, I, I think Bill Belichick is fawn worthy. So, yeah, well, that's fine. Tell that to they Doug do have, Peterson. They do have two new starters on the uh, yeah. on the offensive line. It's Something not a good found. offensive line, right? Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. They, it, last year, I think they, in terms of adjusted line yards, they were, I think, like the best that Football Outsiders has ever tracked. So uh, <laughs> in terms of run blocking okay. and scheme, like, a, you know, Todd Gurley's injury probably doesn't matter. And uh, they can probably stick somebody else back there and he'll be uh, just fine. Okay. All right. AFC had, East. I, I do feel like we got to hustle a little bit, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I agree. <laughs> all right. <laughs> AFC East. Uh, this is, we, I mean, I'm sure we all have the Patriots at the top. Uh, I've got, uh, who cares about the rest of it? But I've got Buffalo second, Miami third. Or no, the Jets third and Miami fourth. Yeah, I've got the Jets and Bills with the same record at two and three. I well, love yeah, finishing two and three. Uh, no, I two and three in the in the division, Bo. Thank you, uh, man. I've really missed that. Uh, Dolphins in last place. Uh, I'm not okay. I'm not supposed to give the records. All right, nothing else for me. Well, to you say can there. give the records if you want. Well, I will go over them with my uh, over unders at the end. Okay, uh, uh, Zach. Yeah, I mean, I think New England wins this division, obviously, and I think Miami's in fourth place, and then pick two and three, however you want. Neither one's going to make the playoffs. AFC North, I think, is the most interesting division in football this year, probably. I have the Bengals fourth, the Cleveland Browns third, 
the Baltimore Ravens second and the Pittsburgh Steelers in first. Mm. Uh, I actually also have the Steelers first, but I've got the Browns second and the Ravens third and the Bengals last. I'm going with my guy, Bo Wolf, here. Um, I uh, agree with what he said in the order. I have Baltimore number two. Oh, you're with me on, uh, on fading the Browns. Yes, I am. Nice. Uh, okay, AFC South, this is my other weird one, and I don't really feel good about this. But uh, this is a team that fared well in my little uh, defensive thing. They were sixth in defensive DBOA, uh, yet only 22nd in takeaways. They were one of the sixth uh, most injured teams, according to Football Outsider. Uh, their offensive line is terrible, and so that could sink things for me. But I think they've got the best single unit in the division. I'm taking the Jacksonville Jaguars. Wow. To win the AFC South. Nicky followed, franchise. Followed by the Colts, the Texans, and the Titans. Uh, I probably rewrote this part of my post like seven different times. Yeah, I mean, I, there, I, I think there's no way to make a prediction in this division and feel good about it. I have the top, yeah. I mean, I, I have the top three teams separated by like one game. You know, ultimately, I didn't want to do it, but I ended up going with the Texans. You know, I'm a big Deshaun Watson believer, and I just feel like if you start with Watson, uh, a good left tackle, and an elite wide receiver, like you know, that that's going to make up. You for think they're going to get rewarded by the by by the football karma gods for this, uh, this? I am very nervous about that. <laughs> I don't feel good about it, but that's who I ended up picking. I had the Colts second. I really wanted to pick the fight in Frank Reichs. I can see it. I can see the storyline where he leads them to the AFC South title. He wins coach of the year. He, you know, all these uh, locker room videos are circulating on the internet of him giving these amazing speeches. But uh, I don't know. I just think that that might be too much to overcome the re- that retirement uh, two weeks before the start of the season. I wanted to pick the Jaguars, like you said, for all the reasons you gave. And then I just looked at how they're surrounding Nick Foles offensively. I know. It's both, really both, bad. Both with the offensive line and the skill positions. And uh, I just couldn't do it. And I, so I've got the Colts second, the Jags third, and the Titans last. I feel very strongly about the Texans being first place here. I think oh. they're the best – yeah, I think they're the best team in the division. I, I think that you can rip on the trade in terms of the long-term ramifications. Uh, I think getting Tunsil makes their offense better uh, clearly, and I agree with what Shields said about Deshaun Watson. I understand how much Bo likes Tom Coughlin, um, so I <laughs> feel bad going against his Jags pick. But I have yes. Jacksonville third here. Now uh, you're getting it. Now you're getting it. This now is you, definitely, okay. there's no Listen. doubt that that the Jaguars pick is the one that's going to come back to haunt me. <laughs> Listen, yeah, Zach, I mean, that, that was a great first step, okay? But here's what you need to do now. What's that? Every week that the Jaguars put up a terrible performance, lose, do something crazy, Tom Coughlin makes a weird decision, you need to come back to this. I can't believe I'm taking Doug Marone. Over and over and over again the entire season. That is the key here. That I'm very proud of you. That was fantastic. Uh, now you just got to keep it Listen, up. Tom and, I, Tom and I both believe if you're not five minutes early, you're late. <laughs> well, I agree I with you I know that's there, not but... right with you. <laughs> um, but I, uh, where I differ with you guys is I have the Titans second here. Really? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, this is a team that, that's, that's been a winning team the past two years, right? They were in the playoffs two years ago. They were 9-7 and seven a year ago. I think they have a lot of talent. They got I the think, worst quarterback uh, in the division. I think Marcus Mario is better than Nick Foles. 
Ooh, um, I don't agree with that. And I think it's worse than Jacoby Brissett. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I, I think I think Marcus Mario is better than than than, than Brissett. I think he's probably equal to Foles. I I just think and uh, to use the expression shield coin the high variance with Nick Foles. I just think you're going to see that over a 16 game season. He's going to look great at times, and we've seen he's going to look inconsistent at times, especially with that offensive line and, and those skill position players. But I look at the Titans and I, I say they're a team that's going to be able to run the ball. Now, uh, not ha- having Taylor Lewan the first what, four games, that's 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 going to hurt them. But you look at what they did when they committed to Derrick Henry late last year. I think you're going to see a commitment to Derrick Henry from the beginning this year. And I think that that's going to have a big difference. And then I don't know why that's I, so good, I, though. What's that? I don't know if that's a good thing, a commitment to Derrick Henry. With With the way they play... Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not picking them to win the Super Bowl. I'm picking them to be Fair second enough. place. Yeah, I mean, listen, I picked the Jaguars, so I can't, I can't honestly get on you for this at all. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going with Houston, Tennessee, Jacksonville, Indianapolis. Okay. All right, the AFC West. Uh, I do have the Chiefs at the top of the division, although I, I do feel like they are, uh, they are primed to get struck down by, by the Karma Gods after this whole Tyreek Hill uh, nonsense. I think uh, I just... It's not going to work. I don't think. I don't think uh, the football gods are going to let it happen. Uh, I do. I do. I'm willing to buy in on the Broncos. I think the Broncos are frisky, and maybe that's silly, um, but because they have Joe Flacco at quarterback. But I. Uh, I believe. I believe that that Fangio can make that defense one of the best ones in the league, uh, and so I have the Broncos in second place, the Chargers in third, and the Raiders in last. Would you, would you, so you like Vic Fangio. Would you say he has an eye for talent? Yeah, I think so. Would you say he's, you know, you don't have to say the best, but one of the brighter defensive minds in the NFL. Sure. Did you see who Vic Fangio has in his secondary on his 53-man roster, Bobo? Oh, I, Big bows! I knew I saw that he made a roster. I didn't even know what team it was. Good for you. Oh yeah, baby, he's back. We're back, baby. That's huge. Fonte That's good for Bounty. the brand. That's huge. Good for you. So yeah, you you've got them winning the division then. <laughs> no, I've uh, yeah, I, I am torn here. You know what? I do have them second. I've got the Chiefs first. You are right though. If there are uh, football karma gods, my gosh, trading for Frank Clark, signing Lashawn McCoy. And uh, keeping Tyreek Hill Jeez. on your roster, uh, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've got the Broncos second. I am with you. I, I think that defensively, they could, you know, they were fifth last year. Now they've got Fangio coming in. They, they've got some talent on that side of the ball. They signed some good veterans in the secondary. Uh, I think they're going to be really good defensively. I don't like their offense, although I do think their line can be better with the addition of uh, Mike Munchak as the O-line coach. I'm I like a, a Philip Lindsay. I like a Cortland Sutton. Uh, you know, there's some interesting things in there. Yeah, I really don't like Flacco, and I've never liked yeah. Flacco. So that, that one kind of pains me, so I don't think they have a high ceiling. But uh, Chargers, I am fading maybe more than any team in the NFL. I think they are set up for disaster. That's a bad offensive line. Russell Okung is out. You've got a bad offensive line with a 37-year-old quarterback uh, who operates from the pocket. And then you lost Derwin James on the defensive side of the ball. And, Mel, you know, Melvin Gordon might not matter that much, but still, you lost your starting running back. I mean, uh, I just feel like not enough being made about how much these losses are going to, uh, to impact that team. I've got them finishing under 500, the, uh, the nice. Chargers. And, 
And then I've got the Raiders in last place. I buying all the chief stock I can. I I, I you love think they're going to be rewarded by the Cardinals. <laughs> I love this this roster, this coach. Um, so they're going to name OJ Simpson uh, president emeritus of the organization. I'm I'm not picking them to marry my daughter. I'm just picking <laughs> them for football games. So uh, the Kansas City Chiefs number one, and then I'm you know I agree with Shield in terms of what he said about the Chargers, but I'm still going Chargers two. I'm going with the Broncos three and then the Oakland Raiders last year in Oakland, number four. All right. Why don't we, why don't we go through quickly our, uh, our playoff predictions in that quick, case. quick parenting, quick parenting tip here for those who have been watching hard knocks, uh, big hit among kids to do the, you know, knock on wood. If you're with me. <laughs> oh, I like that. That's yeah. Good. Yeah. My kids have, uh, have really taken to that. Nice. John Gruden, Gruden, right? Kindred spirits. <laughs> okay, how are we doing this? All right, uh, why don't you take us through your AFC first, Shield? Okay. I've got the, uh, and I'll, I'll just throw it, since we're running low on time here a little bit, I'll, I'll tell you if I like an over-under here. Uh, I've got the Patriots with the well, why don't we number- do that? why don't we do that first? Why don't we, do, why don't we each say our three favorite uh- over-unders? Okay, my three favorite. I've got the Chargers under nine and a half. That's my favorite one because you're getting plus 130. I just gave you the reasons for that. Also, by the way, Anthony Lynn was the least aggressive coach on fourth down last year. So I don't know that you're getting a lot from him in terms of game management. They were the only thing I will say on the flip side is they were uh, among the teams that looked good to me on the uh, takeaway regression for the good. Uh, not at the very top, but but like fourth or fifth, and they were one of the more injured teams last year. But I, I generally agree with you. I think that's a good bet. I've got the Steelers over nine wins at minus one forty. They have never had a losing record under Mike Tomlin in thirteen seasons. Uh, so if you're thinking the floor is like eight wins, uh, I think they've certainly got a chance to to get to ten, uh, ten or more and win that division. And then the last one, this is kind of boring, but if we're giving out ones that we think are going to be good and uh, potentially win, I've got the Patriots over 11 wins. It's minus 135. They've won more than 11 in eight of nine seasons. They've got the easiest schedule in the NFL. And uh, I think this is one of the more talented defenses that Bill Belichick has had. So those are my three favorites. I like those. Zach? I'm going over on Kansas City. Oh my I goodness. That, that number is 10 and a half. I'm going under on the Miami Dolphins. Uh, that number is four and a half. That's a great one. I'm I'm 100% in on that one. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and then I am going <laughs> I am going over on the Houston Texans. That number is eight and a half. Oh. That's interesting. One of the ones I have circled that I'm not going with is the under on the Texans at eight and a half. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm going over there. I'll bet, uh, I'll let's, bet, I, let's bet a pasta fissures on that one. Okay. Texans sure. eight and a half. I'll take the under. Um, and then I am going under on the Chicago Bears. Okay. I have the Bears circled, and so for the interest of not overlapping, I, I won't use that one, although that is one of my favorite bets, under nine wins. Uh, in that case, I will focus on uh, three bad teams. Give me the under on the Lions at six and a half. The under on the Bucks at six and a half. And the under on the Titans at eight. I think those are the three after the Bears that I like a lot. Mm. Okay. 
Back to your AFC picks, Jill. AFC playoffs. I've got the Patriots with the number one seed and home field throughout. I've got the Steelers and Chiefs tied with the same record. Steelers win on account of a tie break, and they get the first round by and the number two seed. The Chiefs are number three. The Texans are number four. And my two wildcard teams, both coming out of the AFC North, I've got the Browns at five and the Ravens at number six. Okay. Uh, I have the Steelers getting the one seed, the Patriots getting the two, the Chiefs getting the three, the Jaguars getting the four, the Ravens as the five, and the Denver Broncos sneaking in as the sixth. Um, I can take us through. I can take you through mine. I guess I'll then go the uh, Chiefs over the Broncos, the Ravens over the Jaguars on the road. Then the Ravens going to Pittsburgh. That would be a good game. I will take the. Uh, I'll take the Steelers. I'll take the Chiefs upsetting the Patriots and then losing to the Steelers in some kind of excruciating fashion. The Steelers going to the Super Bowl. Wow, very interesting. Uh, I have the Chiefs over the Ravens, the Browns over the Texans. I'm in on the Browns. I know everyone's fading them now. Uh, I think they're going to be very dynamic offensively and very good. Uh, Divisional round, Steelers over the Chiefs, Patriots over the Browns. And, Bo, this is the kiss of death. Oh, baby. I got the Steelers over the Patriots and the Steelers going to the Super Bowl the storyline, you know, Ben Roethlisberger is a better teammate, a better leader now. Sure. Uh, they got rid of the drama. He's spreading the football around. And uh, I actually think they have a lot of talent on that defense. It, it has underachieved quite a bit, but I think this might be the year they put it together. I believe you took the Steelers last year as well. I did. You know what? They were, they should have, they were a good team last year. Yeah, they, they were. They got job. Zach? I have the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Now, I didn't do all the playoff matchups. You right, right the there. Beating, I have the Chiefs beating the Patriots. Who are your other uh, wild card teams then? Okay, my, my, my wild card teams were uh, Baltimore. Um, and then who was my other one? Yeah, I have it written down. I don't, I, don't, I don't have it in front of me. Uh, but I had, I had Baltimore as a wild card team. I think for you it um, must have either been the, uh, the Titans, the Chargers, or the Browns. Yeah, but I believe I had the Chargers there. Um, but I would need to look that up. I would need to look that one up. And then um, in the NFC, I, I can pull up that that Google Doc. I, I prepared my my Super Bowl picks, <laughs> um, but uh, I have the Atlanta Falcons as my wild card team, and then I had the Green Bay Packers as my other wild card team, and I had the Saints coming out of the NFC, and I had the Chiefs and the Saints in the Super Bowl, and I have the Chiefs winning. Mm. Wow, you were just giving them everything. They're, they they sign all these guys and they get rewarded with a Super Bowl. All right, you say so. Shield, why don't you give us your NFC? Really struggled with this, you know. When you are, uh, you know, the where did you have the run- Eagles going out, uh, Zach? Uh the championship game or the week before? It, yeah, okay. but um, it, it yeah, but I I think the Eagles are gonna be really good. And I think they're going to go far. I just think the Saints are – I'm picking the Saints. So. Okay. Yeah, I had a very tough time with this. You know, I, I really thought hard about putting the Eagles in the Super Bowl. I think they've got a great shot. I think they've got a lot of things going their way in terms of uh, some of the regression that we talked about, the schedule. I like the roster, the depth, all those different things. 
I just couldn't be the homer picking the Eagles to go to the Super Bowl. That's tough. Uh, you can't. You really couldn't. Do I that. couldn't. I couldn't do it. So uh, NFC playoffs. I've got the Saints as the the top seed. The Eagles at two. The Rams at three. Vikings at four. I've got the Seahawks at five and the Panthers at number six. Wild card round. I've got the Rams over the Panthers. Seahawks over the Vikings. Uh, divisional round. I've got the Saints over the Seahawks. Eagles over the Rams. Doug Peterson beats Sean McVay for the third time in a row. And then I went championship game. Saints over the Eagles. Saints take on the Steelers in the Super Bowl. And the Pittsburgh Steelers wow. are your Super Bowl champs. Wow. Both of you have, have Sean Payton getting rewarded not only with a new rule that's going to ruin the regular season, but also a trip to the Super Bowl. All right. I have, the, uh, I have the Minnesota Vikings as the one seed, the Eagles as the two seed, the Falcons as the three, the Seahawks as the four, the Saints as the five, and the Packers as the six. The Packers go to Atlanta and defeat the Falcons. The Saints go to Seattle and defeat the Seahawks. That sends the Packers to the Vikings, where they take out Kirk Cousins in an obvious uh, Melvin turtling situation off of, coming off a bye. The Eagles then beat the Saints and play a home NFC Championship game against the Green Bay Packers. I don't even know what to do. I haven't even decided until right now. Uh, The Eagles win, go to the Super Bowl, and lose to the Steelers. Wow! (laughs) Okay, there you go. Oh, man, I don't feel good about that either. Well, but here, here we, we are. Here we are, as you say. Okay. Uh, Zach, you want to run us through some quick bird lines? Yeah, so uh, we, <laughs> we won't do the uh, Vegas ones. Um, but real quick, who's your guys' MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year? Hmm. I would have liked to look at the, the uh, betting odds, Sheila, on uh, Von Miller or Bradley Chubb for Defensive Player of the Year if I'm, if I'm fully buying into Vic Fangio. They were not bad. I don't remember what they were, but they were not bad. I don't really have an answer for the other, other otherwise. Yeah, I would MVP. MVP? Uh, Opeta. <laughs> uh, Mahomes is By the way, five. Sheila, you, you told us you were, you were ragging on us for talking about Herbig, Herbig, Herbig. He made the team. <laughs> I, I Listen, <laughs> the official backup, uh, what does he play, center? Yeah. Okay, the official backup center of Birds with Friends. Uh, I think, you know what? I think I might have chosen uh, Carson Wentz as my MVP. Nice. That's a, well, that's a good one there. And you can get good numbers, too. He's, the ones he's plus, two, he's plus 1,200. I think yes. I would actually, uh, this, is, this will come as no surprise, but I, I like the bet of Aaron Rodgers as MVP. Plus 9.50. Yep. Oh, my gosh. I think you guys are way off on the Packers. I think that's going to be a disaster. Uh, I don't think those two are going to mesh. And I think they're looking at an 8-8 eight and eight season, just mm. for the record. I wanted to get that out there. I just think that the I think the coach will will be um, uh, like Aaron Rodgers will be coaching the offense by by the the middle of the season and that'll be fine. The MVP odds I like Wentz is uh, I have him at plus twelve hundred. Uh, I like Baker Mayfield at plus thirteen hundred. Uh, Deshaun Watson at plus twenty seven hundred. But maybe the best long shot I like Ben Roethlisberger. If I'm going all in on yeah, the Steelers, it's a good one. Plus twenty nine hundred. Some nice odds there. It's a good one. So let's, let's go to these lines. These are homemade lines, Eagles or Birds with Friends related, okay? Uh, the first one is 
Chicago Bears field goals made or <laughs> Eagles fourth down attempts. So oh both of them, I believe, were 23 last year. Both were 23 last year, huh? Okay. Uh, did you say four, wait, fourth downs made or attempted? Fourth downs attempted and fourth. field goals made. I'm going to go uh, with the I, Eagles. I'm going to go with the Eagles as well. I think Doug, I think Doug will, will uh, try to get back to being a little bit more aggressive. And so you're really not buying the uh, kicking situation in Chicago improving. Well, I mean, even if it does, I, I certainly am not buying that. But even if it does, you know, they could be, who knows, they could, they could have a better percentage but make fewer total kicks, right? Sure. Yeah, Let me uh, ask you this. How about mm-hmm. uh, Eagles wins, Eagles double-digit wins versus uh, Bears kickers used over the course of the season? I don't understand. Like how many wins over double digits you mean versus how many? Like if you think the Eagles are going to have however many double-digit wins, that number versus the number of kickers the Bears use. So I have winning 11 games. So that counts as two. Individual games won by double-digit amount of points. Oh, oh, okay. I I see. I was also confused there. Uh, I would take Eagles double-digit wins. I would take Eagles double-digit wins. Okay. By many, the way, how many kickers do you think they're going to have? Two. Okay. Should we save some of these for the next podcast? <laughs> I, I, well, I no, no, because I feel like Zach did put in good work yeah. for the. No, game. that's fine. We can roll through. We don't need big explanations on them. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll roll through. Um, here's the next one. This is uh, total offensive yards this year. Lashawn McCoy or Deshaun Jackson? Ooh, that's a good one. That's a very good one. I'm going to well, say McCoy because I feel like I'm going to I'm going to price in an injury to Deshaun at some point. I'm going to say Deshaun. I think uh, McCoy looked pretty cooked last year. I'm going to Deshaun. This is in the yeah. So uh, that's that's going to be close. Yeah. Kirk Cousins touchdown to interception ratio versus Carson Wentz touchdown to interception ratio. I'm going to take Wentz. If I, if I think he's got a shot at the MVP, I'll go Wentz. I can't bet on, on Melvin for anything. <laughs> I'm going Carson as well here. Um, this one's in honor of Shield. Seahawks rushing attempts, which was 534 last year, I believe, versus yeah. Eagles pass attempts, which was 599 last year. Ooh. Give me the Eagles. Uh, I am going to go Eagles as well. I'm going Eagles as well. Uh, rushing yards, Melvin Gordon or Miles Sanders? Miles Sanders, easy. Oh, I like that one. Easy? Yeah. What do you think? Gordon's going to sit out the whole year? Maybe. Uh, no, I'm going to go Gordon. I'm going Miles Sanders, but, that, but I, I had a tough one there. I, I, I don't one. know which way. You did a good job. Yeah. All right, all right we, have, we have two more here. Okay. Nick Foles wins as a starter. Versus Jacoby Brissett wins as a starter. Mm. So this is not team wins. This is they're staying healthy, winning games. Yeah, it's wins of, of uh, as a starting. It's a good one because you're you're saying that Nick has never made it through a full season. Mm-hmm. And going... here's Frank Reich. So that's that's the uh, yeah the Frank Reich bet. You know, I was thinking about that. Uh, like the talk about the timing of the Andrew Luck retirement. If Andrew Luck retires uh, prior to the Foles trade, do you think Foles is in Indy? Very good question. They Great have so question. much cap. They have so much yeah. cap room. Great question. Uh, you know, I'm I, saying yes. I bet he yeah. is. Yeah. Obviously, he would want to go there, right? Right. Sure. 
Yeah. Uh, I will say I'm going to go with Foles. I, I mean, I, I have to uh, double down on my insane Jaguars pick, so I'll take Foles. Yeah. I'm going Jacoby here. I think okay. that's a good bet. And then the last one, and this one is in honor of, of Bo. <laughs> Josh McCown pass attempts. Okay. First combined wins this season of Matt Nagy, Adam Gase, and Chip Kelly. <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> All right, give it to me again. Josh McCown. Josh McCown pass attempts. Pass attempts, okay. First combined wins of Matt Nagy, Adam Gase, and Chip Kelly. So that's like five, four, and four. So. Oh, I love McCown. Bet the mortgage on McCown. Yeah, give me McCown. Okay. And and you think that's just mop up duty, or you think he's starting a game? I think one uh, game. The bet gives me both of those things, yeah. so uh, I feel good about either. If Wentz is lighting it on fire, then uh, Wentz comes in from up. I mean, McCown comes in from mop-up duty, maybe a week 17 start. If Wentz gets injured, then I win easily. All I need really is one start out of him. I would agree with you there. I, I just think there's there's more upside with the McCown bet. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. Although you might be able to make the case that if they are – although I suppose that they wouldn't have Sudfeld active, but I was going to say if they if they are all three active – you could make the case that if it's just mop-up duty, they would let Sudfeld have the playing time. Okay. All right. All right. Marathon. Over. Marathon <laughs> pod. I don't even know how long because it's been broken up into different segments thanks to my uh, choppy Wi-Fi. But it's been an hour 52 minutes for us. Oh, yeah. my gosh. <laughs> uh, so thanks for listening. We will see you uh, tomorrow night, hopefully, at Pistolas del Sur on East Passiac at 7 o'clock. Zach We'll sign your copy of the Iliad. <laughs> and Underdogs, the Philadelphia Eagles, emotional road, the Super Bowl victory. Happy, happy to sign it. And we, uh, we'll have some food specials, some drink specials, and uh, all kinds of good stuff. Uh, Sheila, any final words? It's weird that we both took the same uh, team to win the Super Bowl. Uh, no, I, have a, I had a lot of uh, um, birdsman things to get to, but I'm not going to get to them now. So we will uh, <laughs> discuss them uh, later this week. Okay, and later this week, uh, our Friday episode will be up on uh, the app only on, on The Athletic. So make sure that you are, uh, make the, sure that you are subscribing. For Zach Berman and Shilkapadia, I'm Bo Wolf. Thank you for listening and bearing with us. And as always, we love you. friends